What's up, cuz? What are you doing? What's up, Paisan? <laughs> already challenging me to a fight. You haven't even been on here for eight <laughs> Yeah, man. I don't know. Let's go. Let's go. I still think I can take you, bro. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know about this. I, I feel like I'm looking at those arms saying that they're telling me, <laughs> they're telling me otherwise. Those arms are telling me otherwise. But... You're right. You're right, man. It's been a while. It's been like five years since I've been in there. <laughs> I don't know, man. I still got the movement. I can still move. <laughs> No doubt, and your and your screen name says Leah, so I don't know what's going on with you. Oh shit! I don't have Zoom anymore. I have to use my girlfriend's computer. <laughs> Who doesn't have Zoom in this day and age? I know, man. I'm I'm still old school. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyways, let's get rolling here. This episode of Second One Podcast is sponsored by Murray Insurance and Financial Services in Kingsville, Ontario. They are Southwestern Ontario's number one ranked insurance insurance agency by their clients, and they're owned by Garage GM Kingsville OGs Ian and Kara Murray. Ian and Kara's Kara's team pride themselves on many of the highest standards that the Garage Gym, the Tango One podcast, have members and listeners have come to expect. Uh, if you want great rates on your insurance and any kind of financial advice, give their team a call today or send them a text at 519-733-2331 or check them out online at murrayinsurance.ca. So here we go. Next episode of Tango One podcast, we got my guy today, my cousin, my little cousin who's uh, doing big things, Josh, Joshua, I like to call him Josh, Jackknife Cameron. Uh, he's an entrepreneur, a writer. He's the author of the Amazon bestseller. Crazy. Right? Love Fiercely. Where I just have my copy. It's right here in front of me. Love Fiercely, which is a collective a collection of poems uh, written by Josh. He's also Olympic trials finalist in boxing with 185 fights, winning 150 of them, which leads me to believe I might lose that challenge if we go. And uh, right now lives in Vancouver, born and raised over right here in the 519 in Windsor. And he does, uh, you do some consulting for TV and film industry these days too, right? Yeah. Along with a whole bunch of other stuff. What's up, man? What's up? You ready to roll? Yeah, I'm kind of glad that uh, we don't talk too much and we just save it for the podcast. Yeah, you know what, man? It's, it's funny you say that. I do this with a lot of my friends. It's like just a great way to like reconnect with people and like, and you make great content and it's like true and more authentic, like instead of like an interview, you know, it's just us shooting yeah. shit. For sure, man. I feel like I have a lot of questions for you, and I'm sure you have a lot of questions for me. Yeah, let's go after it. So coming from a guy who's had a lot of concussions, my last little sponsor plug here, HQ. Okay, do you, I don't know if you guys if you use this, like the nootropics for your head, man. This stuff is the best. HQ, uh, Focus, I use it for every podcast. I use it almost every day, just right around the middle of the day instead of coffee. just pops me up and gets me going. Lots of vitamin B and all kinds of great stuff in there, lion's mane and stuff. So recommend it if you had the concussions. I know you, sir, have had some concussions. Yeah, no doubt, man. But speaking speaking on that product, I don't know if you've microdosed before, but that's something that I've been doing in the last year. And that's something that I, that's helped me with my creativity. That actually helped me with my book. And just natural yeah. mushrooms and psilocybin and, and lion's mane, like you were saying, I, I, that was one of the secrets to, uh, to my creativity. Um, you're microdosing with lion's mane and like what did you put in it like like, like uh there's, there's a lot of different products where you can combine it right you can combine lion's mane and different different mushrooms right right and, uh, and psilocybin and so i've been doing a lot of that lately actually it's been helping like my yeah and it's also good for people that had concussions as well it's actually great for people with ptsd so yeah i have uh i have dabbled in it and uh i did it for about 90 days i was good i enjoyed it and then I kind of got away from it. I don't know why. No good reason. Mostly because I wasn't using capsules. I was grinding it up myself. Oh, shit. I, I wasn't even grinding it. I was just weighing it out. And I felt like it was just too, uh, from day to day, based on the caps, the stems, like whatever. Yeah. It was just day to day, too much fluctuation in how I felt from it. So I was trying to kind of, kind of like, I don't know, lean that out. So maybe it might be time to grind it up and shake it up and restart. Cool, man. I'll send you some things after, some things that I put in it and the guys I buy yeah. it from. I'm sure you can buy it out east in Ontario. Yeah, you're living that uh that that western that western life. Hey, yeah. That, that yeah, man, I got, I got check out this view. I don't know if you can if you can see it, but uh this is where I live. <laughs> wow, man. Very nice. I'm on the 33rd floor. I just moved in uh to an apartment with my girlfriend. 
beginning of the Ooh, month. Big deal, hey? Yeah, yeah, big deal. But um, no, it's been it's been quite the whirlwind. I um, when I moved out here, I started out in East Van um, in like a small closet, like a den, and like I just kind of built my way up. Right, I lived there, then I lived in a house with two other roommates, and then I moved to the West End in a small apartment, and then I just climbed up to you know the sub penthouse here in Vancouver. So. It was, it was, it was a whirlwind and it was a journey, man. And you know, you'd be a Windsor boy. You just hustle, you know, you hustle from the, from the bottom, but you know, you're going to get there. You know, you just got to keep it going. Yeah. It's, rent's cheap in Vancouver though, right? Oh yeah. So <laughs> yeah. In the world. <laughs> yeah. That's, that is crazy. You know, crazy proud of you, man. So I speaking of your girlfriend, my mom, she started telling me this story, but I cut her off yesterday because I wanted to hear it from you. You got some crazy story. What about, kind of crazy? Like, a helicopter and what? oh yeah um honestly yeah there's a lot of things going out here uh going on in bc and and one of those was the floods because they had a crazy crazy weather storm with lots of rain and what it did is it flooded out like um a lot of the highways they're called mudslides so when it rains a shit ton all the rocks come down all the muds come down and then it, it takes takes over the highways and it actually broke some highways so we were four hours north in a place called penticton and uh, we were just up there uh, uh, moving some of her dad's stuff because uh, her dad passed away a few months ago. And so on the way back, we got caught up in the storm. So we had to pull around and go to this town called Hope. Hope, BC is where Rambo was shot, actually. It's a little small town. And it was pretty scary because all the power was out. There was, there was cars everywhere, like parked. People were in their cars, like just chilling. Like, What's going on right now? And on top of that, like no one was getting service. So we couldn't like call people or like text people to see what was going on. So it was the scariest thing ever. And then like we got out, like we went to the gas station we started like asking questions or like just the power is out right now. We don't know what we're going to do. So we actually spent the night in the car and then the power went on at 4 a.m. We got gas right away because we needed gas. We knew we had to get back. And then um, and then it went out again and like, fuck. So then like 7, 8 a.m. comes around. We can't go to the highway. The highways are closed. Like, what do you want to do? So we just kind of drove around and then we noticed that uh the high school was open. They had a generator. And so we went to the, the high school and they're like, yeah, we're taking people in. Like, if you guys need a place to, to hang out, like, we'll feed you guys like coffee, this and that. Super generous, super kind people. It's always those smaller towns, right? So we spent the day, we spent the day there. And then uh, at nighttime, actually a friend of a friend um, called and said, hey, I have a, I have a, a family that, that can take you guys in. There's an extra, extra room there. And so we went to this, um, to the family they had like food for us and we spent the night there and then like the, the highways were totally gone right so even in the next morning like you guys still can't still can't drive back and so we just hung out and hope for like half the day and leanne my girlfriend is a pharmacist and then they found out that she was she was there and there was literally one pharmacist in the whole town and they had a thousand people stranded that needed emergency medication yeah, right. so this town's like the population's like influx is huge, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, okay. So we had all these two that needed their medications. Like, can you come? Like, we need you. She's like, okay, I'll, I'll come and work. So uh, she went in to work in this random town called Hope to help uh, do medications. And so I became the stay-at-home dad. <laughs> I took care of the dog and you know <laughs> hung out. Uh, and uh, and then uh, yeah, so, so she did that for two days, and then um. I had a buddy call me and say, or message me on Instagram. He's like, how you doing, man? Like, we heard, we heard all about this. You're stuck in this town. And I'm like, I was kind of like, is there anything I can do? And I was like joking. I'm like, well, fuck, if you can get us a helicopter out of here, that'd be nice. And so uh, a couple hours later, he texts me. He's like, yeah, I got it done. <laughs> he's like, he's like, we got one of my uh, friend of a friend is, uh, is delivering some stuff to Hope to help the town out. He says, he'll take you, you guys back to Hope. What? Like, That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Uh, so like, so we had to leave our car actually. So that was kind of, um, that was a worrisome, but then, but then we got in the helicopter, we got back in like 30 minutes. Cause you know, if, if you're on a helicopter, you know, yeah. place. and then, uh, so we got out of there. Then like the next day they opened up a, a private high, highway, the number seven, there's three of them. The number seven just opened up for one way only. So, uh, the next morning we were able to go back and get the car and uh thank the people because they're fucking amazing for taking us in and feeding us so we gave them you know some wine and gave them my book and uh thanked the town and, and then made it back man it was it was pretty crazy that's wild that is a wild yeah. story really wild man so yeah it rains a shit ton out here and, and some of that causes some uh, some drama 
Yeah, I mean, you don't get all that cold weather, but it's not been nice here right now. I'll tell you that. It's like my whole yard is a mud pit. It's oh, like, sure. you know, that Windsor, that Windsor slush that we get, never quite cold enough, doesn't mm -hmm. stay. The snow doesn't stay. It snows, and then it gets just turns into rain. That's what it's been. But now we sound like our parents were talking about the weather. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, let's talk about that book. So you're talking about giving away the book, man. Like, what uh, what inspired you to do this? This is I can't believe it. I've read the whole thing, obviously. You've seen mm -hmm. me. My favorite one is uh, Walk and Talk. So here's one for you guys. Don't walk and talk like you own the room, walk and talk like you own yourself. I love this thing. I love this book. I love like a lot of these poems. I like to circle them. I've used them in my, uh, my Instagram. It's, it's super inspirational, man. Where, where did this come from? Like the poetry, everything just kind of take me back. It's all from the mushrooms. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so once I, I finished my boxing career, um, I told myself I was going to write a book, you know, a memoir. And so for the last five years, I've been working on the memoir and the book. And then during that time, I've been I've been getting a lot of artists helping me out with with the book, and we we were thinking about doing a, a screenplay as well, writing writing the movie for it. And on top of that, I just started writing poetry for fun. Like it was just one of those things that I was always into, and I was like, you know, I'm going to try it out. So I started reading poetry books, and and um, and then during COVID, I just had some extra time to write, and so I had this collection of of poems, tons, like hundreds. Obviously, there's only like 37 in that book, but. I had all these poems and then I ran into um, somebody who published a book before. And I was like, yeah, I wanna, I wanna publish a, uh, a poetry book because I have all this stuff that I, I wanna get out there. And uh, to me, it, it was very therapeutic to write these things because a lot of those poems are very, very personal, you know, and a lot of them are, are touching on personal relationships and personal perspectives. And to me, that, that helped me as a, as a human and it was very therapeutic. And so I was like, you know what, if this book could help me unleash you know what's going on inside of me maybe can help somebody else and so i said all right we're gonna we're gonna publish it <clears throat> so i published it for like maybe like maybe to sell 20 20 30 40 50 max um to like my closest friends and family right be like a cult classic or whatever i sold i sold hundreds in like two hours it was the craziest thing ever um and then uh it really just it changed my life man it changed my life to be like you know amazon bestseller in canada um I started getting a lot of phone calls and interviews. I got I got invited to be part of this this network called the called the Boys Club Network that I'll I'll touch on in a bit. It's it's an amazing club, and um, yeah, man. And and so basically, it started from therapy and uh, getting it out, and it turned into an art form. And it's like rap, you know. It's like it's like creating music. It's it's creating art. Whereas before boxing was my outlet, I used to I used to unleash what was going on in me through through fighting. Since that's gone, um, you know, I had to find different outlets. Obviously, fitness is still important, but I feel like writing and, and speaking, like this is therapeutic too, speaking to you, right, is a, is a way to let out any demons or anything inside, you know? Yeah. So that's where, that's where it all came from. And uh, so yeah. did you have enough copies ready to get out? Uh, okay, so it's, it's, it's on Amazon, so it's print on demand. Okay. Amazon's incredible. There's this uh, app called KDP and you sign up for KDP and, and all you have to do is send in your PDF form, format and, and your, your cover and everything and they print the book for you. So that's just the, that's a soft cover. There's hard copies and, and there's soft copies, right? Right. Um, okay. So it's print on demand. Like you can order hundreds, thousands of books and Amazon prints them out for you, right? It's, Interesting, uh, man. They're trying to compete with the publishers because the publishers are crazy. The publishers take like 90, 90% of, of the profits, right? It's crazy what publishers do. Amazon takes 50%. Wow. And they deliver for you. I, uh, I started writing a book during COVID, right? So I, I wrote like 12, 14 chapters, something like that. And it was flowing. It was easy. And then once I got to the part that was like all the anger and all the sad parts, it was like it became impossible to write. Mm. So when it was like, it got to like the, you know, leaving the police service and the happiness of the garage and all these things, it just became like, I couldn't write anymore. And like, I'm, I'm kind of stuck in that 75% complete portion of it, which is weird, right? Like I took, once you took the emotion out of the writing, the writing just stopped. So it was like, it, I understand what you're talking about with the therapeutic part, but I don't know if I ever will finish that book. I know it's not like a huge on my list of things to do, but it mm. was at one point. Did you find that at all? Because you're saying when your emotions stopped, you stopped writing? 
Yeah, when I like when the bad emotions, I guess, stopped. When I got all the bad stuff, the stuff that was bothering me out onto like yeah. Word documents or wherever I was typing it, I found that I was just like at a writer's block. Like to to write and mm-hmm. have any kind of like I don't know, like I could write it, but the story just stopped being exciting. It stopped being passionate. It stopped being, it stopped being like I stopped enjoying the writing part of it. I guess once I got to the uh, the more docile or or you know part of my life, I guess. Yeah, it was because it was that was your outlet. Maybe you needed to like get it out somehow, and then once you got it out, you're like, you know, fuck it, I think I'm good. Yeah, like that. Maybe I'll just kill. Yeah, maybe I'll just like to be continued, and then just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fly, fly the flag, send it, send That's it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you talked about therapy, right? So like part of that is um, is this all coming? You think from like the boxing, like leaving, like I know what like, for me leaving policing was a hard thing to do, and it was like such a becomes like your identity right now. I imagine you went through a lot of that when you're leaving after 185 fights and, and being so close to that, that goal of yours of being in those Olympics. Like, was that part of the therapy? Do you think? hundred percent. And this is where we can relate is it, finding your identity, right? Cause you know, I was Josh the boxer for 20 years, yes. you know, you're the fucking cop, you know, and to, to find something, to find something else to leave, to leave that behind was the probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, and I, and I had some, uh, some mental health problems and I had to see some, some therapy and I had to, to do the work, um, because it's just, it, it's hard to explain, right? Cause we're winners, we're competitors. So when I left, you know, I had to leave for, you know, concussion reasons and health reasons and personal reasons too. I had a grudge against, you know, the boxing federation for whatever, um, it's just doing something over and over again for 20 years. And all of a sudden it's gone. It's done. You know, from a kid, you know, before puberty, I was boxing and then it's just all of a sudden gone overnight. And then the competitor in me is like, okay, um, you're not depressed. You're fine. You're good. You're good. Keep going. You'll find something else. You'll find something else. And then, you know, what I did was I started my training business, my fitness business. And then I started, you know, training high level clients. I just started hiding behind all these things that weren't fulfilling my soul. And I was the most, sought after trainer in Vancouver. I was hanging out with, you know, celebrities going down to LA, you know, hanging out with, you know, billionaires. And I felt like shit. I felt horrible. And I'd go home every night and I would just feel like worthless. And, you know, on paper, I'm this, you know, former boxing champion, top, top trainer, but it's not about that at all. That doesn't mean shit. All that matters is how you feel deep within, you know, and and into your soul. And what happened was I didn't, I wasn't feeling my soul anymore. You know what I mean? And so I had to find something to, to fill my soul and to figure out what's going on in my life and to understand who I really am, identity, you know, self-worth, you know, that's a lot of what my, my poetry talks about, right? I talk about what I think we should all have. So I had, I, it was, it was very tough, man. And, and I know on Instagram, you know, people see, oh, Josh is living this amazing life in Vancouver. It was actually the worst time of my life, believe it or not, um, until, you know, recently in the last year and a half, because I put in the work and now I'm living for you know, a purpose living for myself and having that, that self-esteem and, 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 um, living for my heart, my passion, you know, and helping people. You yeah, know hundred percent understand. Like for me, it was, I left that uniform behind and started the gym, started the charity work. And every, you know, I thought like every next step would always make me, and it was always, it would start, I'd feel a little bit better. You know, and then I'd still have that feeling, right? Crush something. And then yeah. like the next day, like I always talk about the story. I would, you know, we raised a, a shit ton of money for cancer here. And then the next day was one of my worst days ever. When it should have been one of my best days, right? But I think a lot of my drive was coming from trying to just chase away bad feelings. So until I went and dealt with that and actually went to a doctor and, you know, got mm. some therapy myself and then started working on some other things, like now I'm in a way, way better place than I ever was. And I, like, I totally get what you're saying, man. And I'm glad I'm good. I'm, I'm so happy to hear you say this stuff. And I feel like the more people here, like a couple of guys, like macho kind of guys, like you got a boxer, you got a SWAT guy on here, like, you know, and you know, a couple of handsome dudes <laughs> right? <laughs> to say, to be, to be confident enough and say like, Hey, we want to get some help. So why don't you, you know, like everybody wants to hide it and put it away. Mm-hmm. Like just go and deal with it. And then once you deal with it, like that, I, I don't know about you, but my only regret about dealing with my problems is not going sooner. That's the only <laughs> regret I have. Yeah, no. And honestly, what you just said word for word is what this program is about. And it's called the boys club network. And it was started for, for young youth, for young men, because 80% of suicides are by boys, by men. 
and 20% are, are from other people. And so, um, and he, this guy noticed this, he's like, what's going on? And it's because us men weren't taught to express ourselves to talk about our feelings and, and to say, say what's on our mind. Right. And, um, so my, once I wrote this book and I'm starting to open up, you know, about, you know, my identity and, and the mental health stuff, um, it's really helping out, you know, the young, the young youth, do you know what I mean? The, the young boys. And Good. so tell us more about that. What is the, what is boys club? Like, tell us more about it. Boys club network is a, it's a boys club. It's kind of like a, a is it an actual place. Um, no. So it's in high schools or like meeting rooms, uh, okay. anywhere pretty much. So it's like AA kind of, but for like a, in a sense, um, for boys only. So we go into this room, we all have to introduce ourselves and say who we are. And then we shut the door and whatever we talk about in that room stays in that room. And it's for boys only. No, no girls are allowed. They do have speaker, uh, female speakers come in, but the group is for, is for young boys. And um, so what I've been doing is going to different high schools every week. I go to a different high school and I just tell them my story about being a boxer, um, what it means to me to be a man and um, what, how, how we should treat women as well. And so we touch on, on all different kinds of things. And uh, it's, that actually has been changing my life as well. It's been giving me a lot of purpose, purpose and meaning because my goal was always to give back to the youth, to help out in, in any way that I can. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, I, I touch on, you know, it's okay to be sensitive. It's okay to um, be open and vulnerable. It's masculine. That's a super masculine thing to do. It's not a submissive thing. And, and even being confrontational, like that's a beautiful thing. Like you can do that and, and be understanding, you know? There's just so, there's just so many um, things to being a man that I think we should touch on more, and, and especially with the youth these days, especially young yeah, boys. Man. That's, you know, what you said at the end too, and I, I agree with all of it. The one that you said at the end, like that confrontation. Uh, I was actually at a, like a gentleman's uh, night last night that saw a friend of mine put on who's, you know, a guy I respect who's just on the podcast a couple weeks ago. And it was just a bunch of men. And I, I feel like if you're talking dollars and cents, I was probably the least successful person in there. But that's not what, what we measure that on, right? And, and hearing these guys talking, I think a lot of, I think with success, a lot of people view you like you're an asshole, you're arrogant, you're cocky. When it's like, no, man, I'm just telling you the truth. Like when I tell, when I say something to you and I say like, you know, like you're not strong enough to lift that barbell. That's not arrogant or cocky. That's the truth. And if you lift the barbell, you might get hurt. Doesn't mean we can't get you there. But like that's and that's like on, obviously on a real small end of the, like the scale, like the barbell. But having like confrontational, like it's not confrontation when I say to you like, hey, like smarten up or I think like you're going down the wrong path or whatever it is or like, you know. Hey, your breath smells like whatever. Like that's just being an honest and coming from a place of kindness. That confrontation can be a real positive. That's what I've been doing with businesses. And we go in and we sit down in a room and it's like, Hey, Josh, you know, tell Karen what you don't like about her and tell her what you do like about her and tell you what I don't like about her. And then we can like fix that problem and move on. I think like that's a lost art. It's, it's missed. People are just so used to not hearing the truth that it's become like the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite books is by a hostage negotiator with the FBI um, called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Yeah, and I read this. Great book. So his quote is, confrontation brings out resolution. You know yes. what I mean? So you, you got to yeah. confront the issue to find the truth to get, to get what's going to happen. So I feel like even when I was younger, I would just kind of like put things beside me or just be passive aggressive or whatnot. Because if you don't say how you feel, it's going to come out in different ways. And usually it's negative ways. It's like alcohol, drugs or or you get mean, right? So being honest and being confrontational is so important, so beautiful. That's what gets the truth. When you get the truth, there it is. You, you figure it out, right? And there's just, yeah, there's just, just doing it. just being transparent, just being direct. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, in uh, your home too, man, with your relationship, it works great with like, sure. with your children, with your, with your whoever you see maybe another is. It just, it works great in that way. And that, no, I agree that that's a good book. And it, lots of that stuff is like kind of what we used to do, right? Or what I used to do. And it's, uh, it's crazy how applicable it is to business. And I, I say it all the time. Clarity prevents resentment. Clarity prevents resent. So just get it out. Be honest with you. Because like if you don't, especially when it comes to people issues. So if I have a problem with you and I let it go, the next day, like whatever you did, like you might just be clicking your pen or the way that you're chewing your apple. Like it's like yeah. it starts to like you become so hypersensitive to it. Or maybe you just say something to me and it's totally has nothing to do with what happened the day before. because you didn't even realize you offended me because that's, it's my reaction. Yeah. Like you didn't understand that because my mm -hmm. reaction to is I feel like getting that shit out there. It just like puts out so many fires before they have to stop, like before they start. 
hundred percent, hundred percent. You start to project too, right? Yeah, and teach, and teach you how to communicate, how to talk, or how important is that in young men? So oh. good job on you, man, getting in there and doing. Thanks, that. man. I'm trying, and it's you know I, I didn't do it when I was younger, and that's what I tell them too. I'm like therapist at a high school, like a counselor, like what the hell was that? Like I didn't, I didn't right. even know they existed, right? I'm sure you didn't either. I know. <laughs> so, and how, who funds like these programs? Is this something that's funded by the government, or is this something that you're looking? Yeah, to I think it's private charity. Money for? Yeah, private charity. Yeah, good. It's beautiful. I'm actually gonna go to a jail actually next week, or no, like the New Year, to a jail, to a youth jail. You ready for that? Yeah, I am. I'm really excited with that. Uh, you know, obviously, you you know where I come from and my background, and you know, I was a, I was around you know my brother and some other people that were in and out of out of youth prison, and so I want to speak to them that there's a choice, right? You guys, there's choices that you can make, and so yeah, I'm, I'm really uh, excited for that. Good, man. Yeah, you can make a difference. And I know it hits home for you. I know, I mean, your brother and I, obviously, we've had lots of conversations over the years and, you know, <laughs> we've kind of like stuck together in, the, in terms of like, you know, he was getting in some trouble and I was a policeman and we had to unfortunately run into each other in some bad ways, but mostly positives out of all of that. And still to this day, like when I see him, it's it's a positive thing. I think, well, oh. I mean, you and my, my family also, my, my dad's side of the family had their very... Oops, almost everybody was arrested in that side of the family. So it's, it's a, that's kind of like a Windsor thing, man. And I, it's, it's unfortunate here in this city that that's so normal amongst the youth. And I, it's good that you're going in and fixing that thing. Cause I think like inside that system is very broken. It's a very, you know, like the rehabilitation of that is just, it's just a lot of people are slipping through the cracks. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about boxing a little bit, man. Like, I've, so I, I tell people this story all the time. We used to bring me and the, my guys, my SWAT team, we would go and train with you. And uh, it was intense. It was very, very intense. And uh, you would work us to the bone and we'd be dripping sweat. And Border City is a great place. It's a mainstay in the city of Windsor. And it's, it's helped so many young kids stay out of trouble and kids who are in trouble to get out of trouble. And uh, that place is still kicking and, and just as sweaty as ever. But you know, how was it like growing up there, man? Like that's a different yeah. way to grow up. That's a hard way to grow up too. And, and like a disciplined way though, too. And a real good. Yeah, way. no doubt. Yeah. I would say it was my second home, but it was definitely my first home and I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for border city. And that was my place. That was my temple. That's what kept me off the streets. That's what kept my head on. And, uh, you know, having coaches that were both teachers, they were, they fucking promoted education, putting your school first and then your sport second. So uh, those are things that just touched my life on a personal level, uh, an athletic level. And actually, now that I'm, I'm older and a businessman, a business level, because when I, when I was boxing, um, I would I would help out as much as I could around the club. Right. I'd volunteer because I didn't I didn't pay any any uh, monthly dues. I was a kid. Right. But I but what my return was cleaning the gym and just helping out. And then the older I got, I did like other things like, you know, help promote fight nights. So I'd go around and learn marketing. And then that's how I would learn my talking skills. Right. These are things I learned now. Right. So I'd have to go to door to door. Okay. I got to go to charities. I got to go to these business guys. You know what I mean? This is in my teen years. And the older I got, I started promoting fights and then I I'd call fighters and I'd be the matchmaker, you know, in my early, my late teens, early twenties. And I'd be promoting fights, marketing fights, uh, interviews with the newspapers, you know what I mean? Doing all these things as a young youth, and now that I'm in my 20s, I'm doing all of these things now. It's like second nature to me. And I really have to thank Border City for that. That kind of, they threw me into the into the fire, right? As a young, young kid. And, and it really changed my life. And that's what helped me get this confidence. And I know I know the churches had a bigger impact on, on kids back in, you know, the 80s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And that went away. But I think that was their way of learning everything was through the church. And I think now gyms, gyms are very important. Um, and, and um, gyms and things that are, are helping out the youth and making them do volunteer stuff like that. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Totally. And uh, yeah, you're developing skills that you just didn't know that you're, that you're getting. Yeah. And, and then we talk about communication. That's one thing that we work on hard in my boys now, man. It's like that's lacking because of, you know, like one, the social thing, wearing masks doesn't help that, I guess, either. And then uh, all the screen time and stuff that happens with these kids is just like, you know, we bring them into our gym and that's, we're homeschooling, right? So it's very important that I bring these guys into the gym all the time where they're around other successful people, people that are working hard. 
and they have to have conversations like, hey, don't look him in the eye when you speak. You know, mm-hmm. like, don't look away. Speak confidently. Like, you know, like before you cry, let's talk about it. Like, that's like the kind of things that we're driving home. And that's the that's the lessons I think you learn in a place like uh, that's a hard. It's, I mean, it's a hard nosed place, very loving place, but very hard nosed place in at Border City. You know, and a, a lot of guys who didn't, you know, get so successful out of there in terms of, you know, I had to lock up a bunch of people who, uh, you know, didn't work weren't capable of continuing on that right path. And I know Josh Canty and all those guys and Allison and so many who are there and have come and gone and so many who are still there are really making a difference in that Drew Lard Road section. And man, like, I know the last time you were home, but like that area, Mike DeFazio, like these guys, that area, that Drew Lard Road is, it's really coming along. Fourth City looks beautiful right now. It's I love it. Lots to come. Yeah, no, I know I'm hearing a lot about that. And I think just before I left, Michael started that, um, it's a, it's a hardware or um, construction. What is what does he do again? Yeah, he's making like uh, reclaim uh, furniture, like uh, everything. Like he's a reclaim work, reclaim yeah. wood, and then makes anything out of not just furniture. Like he makes mm-hmm. everything and anything and everything out of this place. And uh, a lot of guys there and Kyle McDonald, a lot of guys who are friends of this podcast, really driven that Ford City, and it's a, it's something to be proud of down there right now, man. Absolutely, yeah. No, I, it was kind of on the on the uprise before I left, and I love it. I love it hearing stuff like that. And it was just a matter of time, you know. You know, for the cost of real estate, especially on that street. And uh, I told my buddy before I left that I'm like, I'm like Windsor's on the rise right now. This is a, this is a place to invest. And he's like, well, how do you know? He's like, because I'm teaching boxing for a business. Like this is a this isn't like a, a a need. You know what I mean? Like people are doing this as a luxury. And I was training like a lot of clients. You you knew that before I left. So I'm like, Windsor's on the rise, and I think the economy is going to be a boom soon. And, and it was it's a big boom. Yeah, yeah, it's been crazy. It's been very crazy. Let me ask you a question about fighting. So. I'm like, I told you I've been starting to get back in. I was wearing my mouth guard before we jumped on, before we went live. I've been getting back in, not back in, but I've been getting into this MMA thing and like a lot of striking, a lot of, and man, the other day was like my first real, not even a real spar, it was a very controlled spar with, with Mike DeFazio. But, uh, you know, Carmen, you remember Carmen? Yeah, 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 Carmen? yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, a, he's yeah. been training us and yeah. And man, I, it is something to get used to getting punched in the face. You know, I've been punched in the face for work lots of times, but it's usually like one punch and you get it. But when you're actually like standing there, you get punched in the face and you can't just like attack. You know, like I used to be able to as a policeman, you would just like, you know, try to end that threat. I don't want to get a fight as a cop. I just want to be done with the fight. There it's like, you know, man, what is, how do you get used to that? I can't, I cannot get my head out of the way. <laughs> yeah, man, what the fuck? Go and train up Border City. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, boxing's great, man. Um, uh, how can I, how can I talk about this? It's second nature, right? To me, like, you know, sparring every day for 20 years, but um, how can I say this? Yeah, it's, it, it's second nature, man. And once, once you're a fighter, you, you kind of, you got to zone everything out. Like the pain kind of goes away. You know what I mean? Like if that's all, you know, is if pain, if pain is all, you know, then pain is all, you know, you know what I mean? You, <laughs> become, you become immune to it, right? You kind of just until, until it shakes your mind. Like if you watch any, even high level UFC fighter or professional boxer, right? Watch their eyes and watch their facial expressions when they get hit, right? They don't, they don't, it doesn't succumb. Nothing, nothing goes. They're kind of a social. It doesn't register, yeah. Right? They just boom, boom, boom. And it just, it's just, that's, that's their fucking, you know, their life. That's their livelihood. Nothing's going to stop them, right? I mean, I guess a high level lawyer could be the same when they're just throwing shit at them, right? And they just stay on the course, stay on the course, right? It's a, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's so interesting to be around experts, like somebody who's okay, an expert well, in there. I will tell you a story about once when I kind of let my guard down though. And I tell the, the kids this one all the time. <laughs> so I'm at the Ohio state fair in uh, Akron, Ohio. And uh, it's my first year senior. So I'm 18 years old and which means I can fight guys in their thirties or, or late twenties, whatever. So I fought, I had to fight these two like Jack, like mid 20, 20 guys from you know, Cleveland or Cincinnati, wherever they're from. And then in the finals, finals of the fight, I fought this huge, like Jack tatted up, like fucking all, all from here. Uh, guy, and we were going, I was, we're going to war. We're going to war, just slugging it out. And then in the third round, he started to die down. So this was my time to shine. Cause I usually, that was my, usually my asset was my cardio. And so uh, we're in the third round, we're scrapping, we're scrapping. He keeps trying to hold me, keeps trying to hold me. He throws me to the corner uh, so his back is to the referee. He spits out his mouthpiece and he fucking goes, Arr! and he bites me right in my fucking shoulder. I'm like, ah, I look at the ref. I'm like, he fucking just bit me. I'm like, he fucking bit me. 
And referee's like, shh, shh, because you're not allowed to talk and fighting, right? So I was like, what the fuck, man? So I'm like, whatever. Now I'm real pissed. So then now I, I start going in and out. I start using my skills, start, start working on beat the shit out of him. And then I ended up winning the fight. And then at the end of the fight, he comes up to me and he goes, yeah, I'm sorry, man. You know, I'm just, I'm just from the streets. This is how we do it. You know, <laughs> we shook hands and, and that was it, man. But uh, sometimes you come out of it is, is what I'm trying to say. You know, you can't have your, you know, you got to be in the moment too. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. That's just one of the many, many, many crazy fucking stories. <clears throat> so when did you, uh, when did you start like writing? When did this become like, when did art become part of you? I I, I, I've always been attracted to art for some reason. I've always loved it. And uh, I would go to these, these readings on Juilliard, actually. I'd go to readings and I would always go to the short storytelling by Marty Gervais. Marty Gervais, very well-known artist. Yeah. In, yeah. In, in, and I enjoyed it and I loved it. And I was just so intrigued by it. I didn't know this until later on. And I would just be sitting there listening to these guys speak with words and, and use these words to, to create um, emotion and then to make us feel emotion. And I'm just like, I would go to all these things. Even when I was in, I was in Toronto or like California, I'd go, I'd, I'd see poetry or reading nights and I would just go, or even plays. I always just go and was attracted to it. Like more than boxing fights. Like I don't even like watching boxing that much, to be honest, I'm gonna be real with you. But I love um, artists and creativity and, and how these people can erase emotion with just words and how they speak, right? And how they use their, their energy. So to me, um, even though I'm, I'm just getting into the art world, um, I'm going to be an artist now for the rest of my life, for sure. Like, I'm going to keep writing and writing and, and go from there. Um, so that's where it came from, man. It's just this, <clears throat> this, this passion and this love to make me feel. It definitely made me feel. Good. And where do you think that's going to go now? What are you working on? Like, are well, you I got, so I finished my second poetry book. I think the, the memoir thing's going to be, I'm still young, right? So I think it's going to keep going and uh, a screenplay. I wanted the screenplay of my family and my life story as a boxer until probably until like I was like 18, like child to, to 18. It's going right. to be the screenplay. Yeah. The camera. Well, it'd be an interesting story. I mean, man, your dad, like, let's talk about him a little bit. Big Jim. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, Big Jim, you know, I, I always talk about him because he fought at one of the first ever tough man contests in Detroit. Right. I actually saw like, I think at your house, I remember being a kid, he was showing me like the program or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like that. So he fought at the second one ever. The first one was like in Novi, Michigan. And then the second one ever was in Detroit. It was huge. And then after that, it, it blew up, right? The tough man contest. They made movies about it. Um, yeah. So then he, he won his first fight and he lost his second fight but they captured this, this picture of him punching this guy. And so they, they captured that. And the next year that was the, the front cover. So that's what that must see. be what I saw. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so people that don't know that tough man was like, these guys are, are bare knuckle fighting. Yeah. No, no, there was gloves, but they're, they're street fighters. They're not like, they, they weren't like world champion boxers. They were basically tough man, like street fight guys known for like, you know, being tough in their neighborhood or whatever. Right. That's how they sold it. Wow. <laughs> that but, uh, is great. But my dad had boxing experience. He had like 30 amateur fights, maybe. <clears throat> he was the Ontario champ. And then he went to the Canada Games and got a bronze. And then actually, in 2007, I found out that I qualified for the Canada Games, the same one he went to 30 years prior. And so obviously, there's shit talking going on there saying, well, I don't know if you're going to beat my bronze, kid. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I said, you know what? Fuck you, dad. I'm going to show you. <laughs> and then <laughs> kind of like you and I, we talk shit. But uh, I ended up getting the gold. And him so i shut him up that's for a awesome <laughs> I, I know he was more he i mean i i i know being a father that for sure he was so proud of that moment yeah yeah for sure that was probably his proudest get, moment no doubt yeah to get beat by that and i know he's probably listening to this podcast in a in a week from now or so and he'll be smoking a cigar he's always yeah. uh your mom's always commenting on my my cigar posts so anybody looking for a cigar you hit up a frank at cigar conservatory he's amazing it's on ottawa street you can look him up on instagram but also tell him i sent you he give you a special price on that so jim if you're looking for cigars reach out to my guy frank he'll hook you up so yeah and your mom's always showing the love your mom i swear to god i think she likes every single story i ever put out i get the little heart eyes especially the ones with the boys on it your mom's always been such a kind person and I remember, like, so you're looking at that black and white picture. So I remember I was like, I don't know, sponsor some kind of Catholic church thing. I was, I was your probably unqualified, like, uh, what is it? What was it? You were, what do they call it? 
Yeah, confirmation you were my sponsor, my like godfather, something like that. Uh, And I remember your love for art because I got you a picture, much like that one behind you. I got to see the famous picture of uh, Muhammad Ali, the knockout. I remember like I never seen a little kid so excited for like a photo. You were like, you're loving it. That picture was amazing. I love that picture. I I kept it in in Windsor actually, but I had it you know throughout my uh, my time there. It was right above my bed. Yeah, I remember that. I remember being like, yeah, man, this kid is all right. You were like such a smiley, happy kid all the time, which was was always like, I always found it so odd that you were a fighter because like you never had the persona that I would imagine with a boxer because you were always so like smiling and kind and like, you know, loving life, full of life. And I remember coming to watch you fight a few times and, you know, that was always a hard thing. I can't imagine being your mom. It was like hard to watch you get hit in the face, right? It's just, yeah. it's an odd thing to do. For sure. Uh, yeah, two things from that. Uh, number one is, uh, is Mike Tyson's the best example of someone who's, who's smiley and sensitive and cries all the time on, on podcasts. And he was the most ruthless in the ring, right? And so that's another thing that I bring up with, with the boys club. And I'm like, man, like you can be literally anybody in the world and accomplish anything. Like if you look at Tyson, he's so sensitive, so vulnerable, so open, and he's a killer in the ring. You know, he knows when to turn it on and turn it off. Right. Um, and, uh, and we were saying about my mom. Yeah, my mom, my mom's amazing. I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for my mom. And I think it's because of her genes and the Sicilian in her that really helped me be a fucking fighter as well, right? Yeah, man, the Sicilian genes, they get, they're angry. They're always angry about something right now. <laughs> yeah, or holding grudges or something. Yeah, 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 holding grudges. You're probably in trouble right now. And friends oh, yeah, for, you right now. Oh yeah, especially now you're talking about the shrooms. Now I gotta have to answer a million fucking questions. Thanks, yeah. right, Christmas dinner. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I got holding trouble. grudges like holding grudges like why am I sitting? Remember, they get so mad about where they're sitting at the wedding, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like why am I sitting back here near the? They're so they're always all bent about where they're sitting. This kills me. That's kills hilarious. Me. Kills me, man. So, what's new? What are you gonna do next? What is the big? Uh, what's on the horizon? Training people, <clears throat> doing what? Just give me some feed. Give me something. Yeah, no, uh, my second book, my second poetry book is going to be out in January. So I was going to self-publish again, but then I, I found this poetry organization who, who published, published for you if you win this competition. And so as soon as I seen competition, I got all excited. I'm like, all right, let's go. And so uh, the competitor came out and uh, I, I just finished it. So I'm kind of just editing the, editing the book. And uh, going from there, man, going to get the second book going, get the screenplay going, just stay on my purpose, man. Give back, keep doing the boys club, um, keep giving back to the youth, um, maybe get into some different businesses. You know, I, I don't know. Just stay Dude, on. How much training are you doing these days with people? Uh, like training clients? Yeah. I don't really, I don't really do too much anymore. I'm maybe part-time, maybe a few hours a day, but I'm really focused okay. on the art now and the writing and some other things I'm working on. But um, it's still very, uh, I still, I still like it, man. I still like it. And uh, it's very, very purposeful. And what I'm realizing now that I'm stepping away from the training game is it's such a rewarding job. And even these guys that work at the offices that make big salaries, they go, they're not that happy, right? And so personal training and helping people is such a rewarding job. I would never, ever say one bad thing about it. Like it's, it's one of the most rewarding jobs you can have, you know, seeing Good, someone. Man. And you know, and you, why, how, how many training you doing? Oof, a lot, a lot. Not that much anymore. I'm not as much as I used to, but man, I think what people, uh, anybody who's with the garage in a long time who's listening to this, that remembers, might remember you because like you used to come, you had your own set of gloves pinned on the wall in the original garage gym. Remember the rubber gloves? Yeah. I keep everybody because it's so damn cold in there. Yeah. You had one of those first, you had a pair of gloves pinned on there. You came out, worked out all the time with me. And then uh, when we started the gym, we had a little boxing thing going for a while there. I still have the equipment. That's where a lot of the that's why a lot of the MMA stuff's come back because I have all these mitts and all these bags and stuff that we had purchased way back when. That was fun, man. That was great. I remember in the cold, cold garage with the heater going, you know, I got the gloves on. Those were some badass workouts you put me through, man. Those were fucking good. Yeah, the propane heater. But we were, I thought we were going to die because we were probably uh, intaking some real bad gases and fumes. Yeah. Yo, you got you to gotta catch me up here. Okay, so you stole in two gyms. Still, yep. Yeah, still in both garage gyms. One of Kings and one Amsburg. And is it open now? Does Ontario let you train people, minimal people? Like, ah, uh, man, Ontario can go. Uh, they can go fuck themselves right now. We're so whatever it is, it is that the garage gym. We we do what we do. Garage gym will go on. I like. Yeah, it. we do. We do. We do. We. If you don't feel safe coming, then don't come. So the the rules around here are it's been kind of out of control, and 
for the most part, though, the the world here is open. Um, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of people are still running around scared. I think, and it's unfortunate, but that is what it is. And we just we just do the business the best we can. And it's like my job is to make people healthier and stronger. And I think it's never been more important. So that's what we've been focusing on. And if that means uh, opening our doors and subjecting ourselves to criticism, that's what we're doing. Good for you, man. I love it. You got to stand for something, right? Have yeah. to stand for something. Yeah, it's, it's uh, that this whole situation forced us to make some decisions that, you know, I probably wouldn't do again. You know, I, I, I think the, the burden of leadership, I always say, is to make the decisions based on, you know, the well, without fear of uh, whatever could happen to you, prosecution, or without like wanting to gain from it. And I feel like it really, those rules and all these uh, things that Ontario has done, and this has happened throughout the whole country has really forced the people to kind of like maybe go against their morals to save themselves and their, their families, which is unfortunate. And I, I just, if I was to do this again, I probably would have done things differently, but happy where we are, you know, not looking back, just learning from it. I love it. And I think the, the virus brought a lot of positive things as well. I think it brought a lot of who we are as humans, who you are as a person, you got to learn a lot about yourself and how you're going to overcome this, right? Because that's all you can do, right? We don't know how long it's going to be here for. What are you going to do? Submit and just go hide in a hole? Or are you going to you're going to fight back? You're going to stand for something. You're going to try something, right? You yeah, know, gotta, you gotta, it's not going alive. anywhere. So. Like I got, a, I got a buddy in Toronto who started a production company and he's made three movies during COVID. Like, you know what I mean? Like people, you got to fight back. You got to either, you know, fight or flight. That old quote, like you got to overcome this shit. Like you got to figure it out. You can't feel bad for yourself. You can't feel bad if something's going on. Write a fucking book, you know? Take something else. Learn some courses. Learn poet, like whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I took a bunch of courses and I, I feel like our business is in a way better direction than it was before COVID. So there's a lot of great things that came out of it. And, and at the, this way, I mean, it's not going anywhere. So you might start to live, man. It's time to live and get out there yeah. and do some things and get some fresh air. So you coming home for the holidays or what? No, I'm not coming home for the holidays, but um, I'm going to come in January for a wedding. Yeah, yeah. I got a, I got a girlfriend now, so there's, there's two families I got to make happy. Oh, my God. Oh, your mom's not going to like that answer. We'll see if we can edit that one out. Yeah, yeah. Two oh, fam- man. She's going to come out. Fam- the Sicilian. Two families. You gotta, there's only one family. <laughs> that's, that's, I can hear her saying it. There's right only now. one family. There's only one family. Yeah. So anyways, man, it was a uh, great catching up with you and let's get this uh, back in January. Let's get a workout in. Let's do it. Throw some, throw some punches at my face. All right. I'll start putting some muscle on my arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So thanks for coming on today, man. And if people want to get a hold of you, if they want to buy the book or if they want to uh, help out the boys club, what could they do? Uh, so my book is love fiercely by Joshua Cameron. You can get that on Amazon, amazon.com or .ca and, the boys club is on Instagram. I always, always tag them on my Instagram, which is I am Josh Cameron boxing. I know I am, I am Josh Cameron and uh, yeah, you can get it through you. Yeah. Awesome, man. And it, it was at my house in like a day. I feel like, Hey, so actually I want to ask you, so I, I read in my favorite one on the room. Uh, what's your favorite one in here? Do you have one? Mm, from love fiercely. Yeah. Let me see. Well, I got two. Okay. So one of them is the most deep and honest. Um, it's called, I never cried. So I'll give you that one. And then I'll give you my, my other favorite one. Yeah. Wait, wait, this is like, look, we got a real author reading on the podcast here today, guys. Let's do it. I never cried only once a year when I lost, I never cried. I saved it for when I lost, I wanted to cry. I waited all year for it. Love it, man. Did you, did you, what'd you get from that? Me, I'm getting that uh, you needed to get those emotions out and you felt like every time, because you didn't lose many fights. So when you lost those fights, you're able to kind of get out, which probably had nothing to do with the fight. It was probably everything you pent up for the whole year or lifetime, I guess. That's fucking it. Exactly it, man. And and I feel like um, having that was um, detrimental to me. And I feel like if I was more open and let that all out, I would have been more relaxed in the ring, in the finals. Whereas I feel like, because I, I, I held it all in, I was more tense in the fight. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why I lost. Like, I didn't lose much, but like in the finals of some major tournaments, right? So I feel like you got to be open. You got to be vulnerable. You know, if, if you have to cry certain days, you know, figure that out. Why are you going to cry? And then, you know, either cry or, or figure it out, right? 
So that was a very, very important one for me. And this is also my favorite one because it's kind of like my metaphor for life. Uh, it's called... I know you liked all my loved ones too, right? All those loved ones, Tony? Yeah. Like oh, ones? yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lover boy, you're a hopeless romantic, aren't you? <laughs> uh, it's called um, Smoking Bar. Remember that? No, it's called You Can't Escape Death. Can't Escape Death. Page 24. Yeah, this, this one's one of my favorites too because it's – Okay. I want to open a smoking bar. You can't escape death. Every time you step into a car, you can't escape death. There's a million other ways you can't escape death that will keep you up for days. You can't escape death. When it's your time to go, you can't escape death. That's part of the flow. You can't escape death. I want to open a smoking bar so I can enjoy a Cuban cigar. Love it. Yeah. That's Love it. it that's, that, that's life, man. What are you going to do, right? You got to enjoy life. Yeah, exactly. You know what? And the smoking bar thing, too. It's like, okay, you're making the choice to go in there. You go in and you go, well, and that's my thing with this whole, with all of COVID. I feel like everybody should make their choice based on where they feel safe, whether that's getting a vaccine, not getting a vaccine, going to a place where it doesn't have masks, going to a place that doesn't have masks. You make the choice based on your comfort level. And like at the end of the day, like you said, you can't escape death. So if you're going to avoid living it, you're dying before you get there. 100%. There we go. I love it. That's the most relatable thing to fucking COVID. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good way to end this thing too. So I'm going to I'm gonna stop this recording and then we can uh, shoot the shit off air just for a minute. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Josh. People, please go buy this book. You will love it. And it's great for your, uh, like we talk about boys and, and, and girls all alike, but like, if I have a young son and my sons will both read these once they can uh, get there and comprehend a little bit more of it. So it's good. I'm glad you're proud of you putting this out there and I can't wait for the next one, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Now's the time to do more and be more. 